Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the GeForce Podcast, a show for car enthusiasts by car enthusiasts. We've often talked about, or at least hinted at, cars having the potential to be an expensive hobby to get into. Now, of course, I still believe you can 100% be a car enthusiast with little to no money. And those are probably some of the most true and honest forms of car enthusiasm. Check out that episode of the GeForce podcast on being an enthusiast on a budget. There's some great ideas and great ways to celebrate cars and celebrate being a car enthusiast without having to spend a buck. But for those of you who either decide to buy a car or already have a car, maybe even two or more cars, let's talk about investing. I think I'm supposed to say some disclaimer that my so-called advice is not official investing advice and you cannot sue me. But anyway, here is my key investing tip. Do not buy cars as financial investments. Now depending on who you talk to, some people call investments any item that generates income for you or that holds and appreciates in monetary value over time with minimal financial investment. Unless you're making money off of driving your car or renting it out, cars generally break both of these investment definitions. Of course, many people will justify their car purchase for needing it to be mobile, especially to get to work. But here's the deal. A cheap beater can do the same, So any dollar amount you spend more than you would on an old beater is money being put into a non-investment. Sorry to rain on some of your parades, but honestly, it's good to address this uncomfortable truth. Now let's delve into the reasons why cars aren't good financial investments. First up, value. For 99 0.9% of cars on the market. This is a rough percentage, don't quote me on that. The monetary value goes down with time. Of course, the biggest hit comes with the first buyer when they sign the papers and pull off the dealer lot. But even after that, for each year and mile that passes in a car's life, the resale value goes down some fraction of the starting price. This core formula to car value determination is the key reason the most popular cars on the road are boring four-door cars and crossovers with small, practical engines. They keep some of the key costs down up front to make sure the drop in value is not as severe. Tied to that, There's a reason Honda Civics and Toyota Corollas have such good resale trends. They rarely have noticeable changes to drive quality as the years and miles add up, so the formula doesn't hit their value as hard. Now with this group of cars, and basically any car that gets driven, there's another key reason they are not good financial investments. Running costs. Fuel insurance, tires, maintenance, all of these are critical to factor in when looking at the economics of owning a car. Take a look at the average Lyft or Uber car. 
a vehicle that gets driven quite a lot. These vehicles follow the same trend of boring four doors with practical features and uninspiring powertrains. Not only does this alleviate some of the pain from depreciation, it also keeps the day-to-day -day cost of ownership relatively low. So these are the key reasons why I do not recommend treating cars as financial investments. But of course, as car enthusiasts, we try to find ways to justify big car expenditures as money well spent. There are a few car categories where it may seem like a financially logical decision to purchase a car. The first category is the new sports car. Those shiny, pristine examples that are too good to be sitting outside on the lot and are inside the dealership itself, smack dab in the middle of the showroom. These are the prime suspects for the midlife crisis buys, or the young and trying to look like a baller purchases. Either way, there's some complicated scheme to justify the purchase, obviously. Sure, these cars come with warranties, and often they'll just be driven on the weekends for a few miles, so the running costs should in theory be low, right? But depreciation. Nothing depreciates harder than a brand new sports car. They quickly get outperformed by newer and even cheaper cars, so they lose their appeal to future buyers as the miles go up and the years add on. How about the old sports car and luxury cars that have already taken those big depreciation hits? You know those Craigslist and Facebook marketplace ads for the 10-year-old Rolls Royces, Maseratis, and even Porsches. Seems real tempting, right? And because they've already suffered depreciation hits of up to 90% from when they were new, they're less value for them to lose. And there's the potential of them to actually go back up in value as they become more collectible. Some of these vehicles fall into that category where they will see prices swing upwards again. So this all adds up to being a great investment, right? Ha! Nope. Don't forget the second reason why I said cars aren't investments. Running costs on older performance and luxury cars are generally quite expensive. With no warranty to lean on, any work that needs to be done usually comes at a premium, with special parts and tools required, and ideally working with a technician who has previously worked on that brand's cars. The net? Any value you might get from these cars going up in value, which is also a gamble just as a reminder, not all of them would go up in value, but any value you could get from these vehicles going up in value almost always is a fraction of the running costs throughout your ownership. So now that we've discussed the reasons why the math on most cars does not indicate investor grade material, let's discuss the edge cases. Cars that are good investments. The first category, cheap, reliable beaters. 
those that you can use for getting to your job or using for your job. Buy these at essentially their lowest value point, drive them with minimal running costs, and ignore any work needed that's anything other than necessary to keep it driving safely. When it's time to sell it, if you ever do really sell it, you'll get enough of your initial purchase price back that you won't really bother haggling with the next buyer. And the incremental income you earn from getting to your job or using that beater on your job should far offset the minimal running costs. That's the key math for indicating if you've got the right cheap reliable beater for an investment. The other category of investor grade cars is the select group of hyper rare collector cars. These are the ones you usually find in a museum, only if the museum can afford to keep one on their display. These are the Ferrari 250 GTOs and McLaren F1s. They seem to be going up in value with pretty much every sale. They're so rare and so valuable that they never get driven. So running costs aren't generally noticeable compared to the original purchase price. They essentially get bought and just sit there. Despite this, I still maintain that cars are not good investments. The beater car is my only exception that I actually recognize. With any car, you should buy it to drive, to appreciate it on the road, not to lock it up in some vault hoping it goes up in value. You see, the issue I have with these hyper-rare collectible cars is that they should actually be enjoyed for their performance, for their driving capabilities, for the ability that they had to set world records and to appreciate that, not to just sit there. As more and more collectors start picking up these cars and driving up their values, we get further and further away from living in a world where we can actually appreciate these cars being used on the road or being used on the track. So should we be discouraged by the idea that car purchases are not good financial investments? Absolutely not. In fact, this should be invigorating. Go out and get yourself a car you can enjoy without worrying about the financials. As soon as a car becomes an investment or there is some financial stress associated with it, you'll start losing some of the joy of ownership. Cars are meant to be driven, to excite, to inspire. That's the return on investment, so to say.